You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Stapon at Ken Stapon or at Kenny Rogers, whichever you prefer. B McCarthy 95. Brendan McCarthy with me. B Mac. What's up, buddy? Hey, big happy birthday. Shout out to El Capitan. John Tavares turns 30 today. The captain, Johnny captain. Toronto. 30 years of age, man. He's ar- he's already accomplished uh one individual feat, career eye in points in his first year with the Buds. Let's hope uh he can accomplish another feat. That includes the whole team raising a cup. <laughs> and, and maybe uh, hoisting a big piece of silver above their heads. Yes. That's next for Johnny T. Yeah. Well, we're hoping, and the fan base is with you. I'm sure a lot of the listeners are with you on that one. Kind of a tough year for Tavares, to be honest. I mean, he was dealing with the finger injury earlier in the year. I feel like that kind of plagued him moving forward. Couldn't really get the chemistry with either of his primary line mates, whether it was William Neeland. Mitch Marner this season to really build on the 47-goal campaign goes. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to do to bounce back after what was a disappointing year for John Tavares. And now his former teammate at Sochi in 2014 in the Olympics, Alex Petrangelo, that name heating up, especially in Leafland, in their Twitter world, Petrowatch. Well, what, what's yeah, going to be called now? Yeah, yeah. Pet, Petro Watch is alive and well. It's in Toronto. It's and, heating up. And, yeah, <laughs> and this was this was to be expected. I mean, a lot of people have been highlighting the fact that this guy was going to be the biggest name on the free agent market. Likely, uh, I thought kind of after the Blues gave the long extension to Falk that the writing was kind of on the wall for Petro, that they weren't going to be able to squeeze him in under the cap at a number that was going to be able to work for them. The Blues are another team kind of similar to the Maple Leafs in that they're right up against or directly up against the cap and need to figure out how they're going to move out some of those bottom six pieces to make a little bit of room. And Petro, obviously being the name that he is and having the notoriety that he is, being the captain of the team, winning the cup last year, the expectation is that he's probably going to command $8.5 to $9 million. So if you're looking at the Roman Yossi deal as comparable, he's getting paid just over $9 million in Nashville as a similar type of defenseman. Uh, the rumors are that Petro was asking for actually more than Yossi, about $500 million more. He was asking for around 
and, and was pretty in a pretty insulting offer as far as I'm concerned. The number out there that the Blues were chucking around was around $7.7 million. And to add insult to injury, the reports that I saw were that they weren't even going to release the structure of the contract. There was like, here's the AAV 7.7. Uh, yeah, that's all you're going to get. Take it or leave it. Petra's like, well, can I, it's like, how much is in a signing bonus? And they're like, no, can't, can't tell you that, but you should sign on the dot line if you want to stay in St. Louis. Well, let's be clear here. We're, we're recording this Sunday, September 20th. So two days ago, we received word that conversations between the Blues captain and Blues management ceased. Yeah. So it could either mean he wants to explore in free agency and, and look at other teams and, and see what's out there. Or it's just like, okay, well, right now we're not on the same page. So maybe we will reconvene in a couple weeks. Yeah. So I don't think that's completely off the table, him re-signing with the Blues. It's very much possible. But right now, conversations are not ongoing. So. Yeah. Well, as Andy Strickland, who is reporting all the news that I've been coming in with, and he seems to think that the negotiations have broken down to the point. And Drag, Darren Dreger, our hockey insider over at TSN, also seems to think that the negotiations between St. Louis and Petrangelo haven't even been close. Like they are, they aren't even coming close to a number. They aren't coming close to a term. They aren't coming close to a structure that's going to work for both player and team. And essentially that Petro inevitably at this point is going to test the free agent market. In fact, one report that I read said that the team told him to go and test the free agent market because the offer isn't going to get any sweeter from the blues end. So basically they're going to come in paying him under $8 million, which is unacceptable for a defenseman at his caliber, which also brings me to the Maple Leafs perspective. How are you going to squeeze a defenseman of Petrangelo's caliber? I know we hate the cap conversation, but how do you squeeze this guy in? I mean, the minimum deal that you figure you would get him for is what, 8.5 by 7? And he, those numbers simply aren't going to work the way that the roster is constructed for Toronto. You just continue to unload up front. I, I don't care who it is because, you know, we talked to, we, no, <laughs> you, really, you we, we talked to, is? we, I don't care who it is. I mean, obviously, the main four are safe. Okay. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, well, well, Tavares isn't going anywhere because he has a no movement. And you're obviously not trading Austin Matthews. Matthews and Marner, Riley, Tavares. Like, that's, that's safe. Like, take it to the bank, obviously. You, you omitted a name there. Purposely or non-purposely? Marner? No, Willie. Yeah, thank you. Nylander is, is not part of that. I, I, would, I would dump Nylander and a couple more forwards. And given what we've seen from, from some of the young prospects, look at when, – when you're in a deep run, look at – Yoel Kivaranta, love that name. Guys will just come up and surprise you. But I, I, don't, I don't think the Leafs need to rely, rely on, on these top forwards all the time. If they can unload, like someone tweeted this out yesterday, and I thought it was actually really good in, in terms of how they could actually obtain Alex Petrangelo. Oh, man. Like the cap-friendly armchair GMs out there right now are wiling out. But it's very possible. On how they're going to squeeze them in. Obviously, the big one heading the other way would have to be Willie, but I, I would be more more than fine with with that. And Man, if you, that, you if gotta that be lands careful. you, you got to be careful what you're saying right now. 
you got to be careful what you're saying because there's a huge portion of Leafs Nation that is going to come after you for trying to trade Willie Nylander. I, He's I the don't most think, polarizing player. I don't think team. people are going to come at me with pitchforks for, for suggesting that Nylander could be on the trade block. Man, I've seen so many people saying that any trade discussion on Twitter regarding Nylander as the centerpiece to make room for Petrangelo is an automatic unfold. Not just Nylander, though. I mean, it would have to be a package. Absolutely. And, you know, like I was looking through some of their non-roster guys right now. You're loving this, eh? You're just, no, I, just think it's, I, I think it's so funny. You're like, it would have to be some sort of package. Like, could you possibly package Marner and Nylander? No, I didn't say that. I think Nylander, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe like Kerfoot and Janssen. Like, just dump all three of those guys. Because, you know, from what we – like, we were pumping the tires on Nicky Robertson early in July or whenever the playing series was. Seems like a while ago now. Jeez. Yeah. I think it was the beginning of August. And you got all these, like, you know, young guys in the pipeline that will be incredibly cheap. And you just easily replace them into the lineup like that. It's... I don't know how easily you're going to replace forwards like that, though, with guys who have – how many games does Robertson have? Five games NHL experience? Like, you can't expect to plug him into a lineup in your bottom six and make immediate contributions and come in and score 25. I'm not asking for immediate contributions. That's why I gave you the Kibaranta example. You know, like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not suggesting that, you know, Robertson's going to have 10 points in his, in his first 10 games. I'm just saying, like, they can be easily replaced up front. If you're actually looking to strongly pursue a player like Petrangelo. Has the issue not been with the Maple Leafs, though, that they didn't get contributions out of their bottom six and that because they're so top-heavy in their contracts, they haven't been able to bolster the bottom six of their lineup to get any sort of secondary scoring? That's been the biggest issue at this time is the fact that if the big guys aren't going, as they weren't at times in the Columbus series, then you're super jammed up because you don't have the depth, as Kyle Dubas has noted, they don't have the depth up front to really support those guys when they aren't having good games. And because of the way that the cap is structured right now, and obviously this is what happens when you sink a lot of money into three or four players up front, and then maybe, I don't know, Morgan Riley on the back end, you're going to have to pay him later, but he's on a affordable deal at the moment anyways. You don't have the depth to support that. And even when you're talking about making all these trades, like the Maple Leafs have traded a lot of draft picks over the last couple of years. It's not as if the farm is like jam packed, ready to go with prospects of Nick Robertson's caliber who are going to be ready to come up and contribute at the NHL level. There's a lot of questions. If they had that sort of depth, absolutely. I would agree with you, but I'm not convinced that they have a surplus of AHL forwards who are ready to come up and make contributions at the NHL level. Okay. Fair. I'm just saying like, are you going to be that dejected if they lose like Kerfoot and Johnson? Like not really. No, I'm not. No, I'm not going to be ultra dejected, but I would also note Kyle Dubas during his press conference after they made the captain trade cited the organization's depth that forward as being a concern. And yes, do you have to, there's their give and take with that to improve the back end. Yes. Do I think that they spent too much on the forward group and that would they benefit from adding a little bit of depth on the back end rather than having all the money up front and then having this patchwork decor. That's if you have one or two injuries, as we saw in the Columbus series, when Muzzin went out, you're just kind of screwed because you have no depth. Obviously, I agree with that. And so the pieces that would likely get moved are those depth guys in Kerfoot and Hayonson. All I'm suggesting is that 
when you're talking about bringing in a player of Petrangelo's magnitude, obviously you have to look at it, but you have to be careful that you're not just skating out a team of Morgan Riley, Alex Petrangelo, your top four forwards, and then the rest of the Toronto Marlies because you have no cap space because 50%, 50 plus percent of your cap is tied up in six players. I would rather a patchwork bottom six if it means a finally a stable decor, you know, like, I, yeah, I think, I, think some, I, think I know you're rolling your eyes, but it's, it's true. Like, I don't think, I think they have one of the most loaded prospects pool, prospect pool in the entire league. And I'm not, I'm not asking for immediate contribution at all. I'm not. Yeah. But if it means to shred salary on little bridge deal, AAVs of two, three million, what have you, it's going to pay yeah, dividends, man. Yeah. Well, Leafs Nation tends to agree with you. I put up a poll on the Leafs podcast Twitter, at Leafs Pod. Would you like the Leafs forever to take a run at Petro despite the cap implications? Yes, the team's biggest need. No, not enough cap space. 67% suggesting that they would want to take a run at Petrangelo. So basically, two out of three Maple Leaf fans would want him on the back end and who wouldn't i mean you right. know carlo koliakobo noted host of first stop on tsn 1050 of our radio station has been a big proponent of bringing his fellow too. italian back to back to the six carlo played with alex i believe in 2012 maybe oh he did yeah, yeah he, he one he of his last years yeah, you played with him on the blues it's every time we have him on the station he always jokes with him he's like i taught you everything i know yeah, like, nice, Carlo. he's a great guy. Carlo Koliakovo. Huge, yeah, he's huge awesome. Leaf and Raptors guy. Big yeah, Raptors, big guy, Raptors well. guy. Do you see him? Do you see him on the screen during um, which <laughs> yeah. game was it? It was Game Six. He yeah, got uh, he, he became one of the fans, the virtual fans on the sideline. He was fired up, man. He was he fired was up. Fired up. To also build on uh, that point, I also threw a Twitter poll up on my personal Twitter at Ken Sapon. Would you be willing to sign Petrangelo if the costs were losing one of either Marner or Nylander? And again, similar results, 68% saying, yes, they'd be okay with that. It's the cost of business. Whereas just 31% saying, no, those two players would be too valuable to lose in the long term. So for sure, this is a polarizing topic among the fan base. And it'll be interesting to watch how the general manager, Kyle Dubas, conducts himself moving forward because – this has been the biggest conversation for as long as I can remember that the Leafs don't have a number one right-handed D pairing. Pierre Lebrun noting this week on Leafs lunch as well, that a D pairing of Morgan Riley and Alex Pedrangelo would be Scary. something to salivate at for Maple Leafs fans. So interesting to see what will happen there. Uh, Dallas and Tampa game one of the Stanley cup, Dallas Ooh. taking it one, nothing man. We're yeah, not boy. going home. <laughs> you see that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Anton Udobin, I, man. He's such a gem. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. Speaking of Udobin, what, what an unreal third period for him, eh? Like, oh, I don't know what fantastic. the exact number was, but he was getting peppered. I thought that Dallas dominated the game through the first two periods, or they were at least by far the much better team. In the third period, though, Tampa flipped the switch, and they were buzzing. Dallas was outshot. Hudobin was a Hudobin was a brick wall for the Stars. I think it, he he's he's been unreal, like over this stretch for, for Dallas. Dallas was outshot thirty six to twenty 
I mean, I think I think it was something like twenty-two to two in the third period. It was crazy, man. Like with all with all the, I mean, you know, we talked about how Tampa has improved so much in the off season with, you know, gathering guys like Goudreau and or yeah, Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman, Pat Maroon, and like I I still have Tampa winning the cup, but Dallas is is not going to go down easy, man. They are no such a loaded team, and it's. They they just stuck it to them in game one. It was and of course shouldered by Hudobin. And I mean, what else can you say about this guy, man? He's like beloved on and off the ice. He just adds a little levity, adds a little levity to, you know, whatever's going on throughout the day. And yeah. you know, Dallas, we talked about it on an earlier pod too. They they kind of surprised us all. They, you know, even when they had to um, play in the round robin, like I was, I had in my head initially, like, wow, yeah, Dallas actually finished, you know, top four in the West, I guess, yeah. obviously. I think they were, I, I had, I'm going to be honest, I had very, they caught me by surprise. My point. Yeah, I had very little expectations of them coming into this playoffs. In that sense, like, I thought Colorado and St. Louis were the strong favorites to come out of the Western Conference and Vegas. Me too the Golden Knights. I, I had all three of those teams pegged ahead of Dallas, but the play of Hudobin has lifted this franchise. And how many times have we cited the goaltending? It's the old playoff adage. If you get good goaltending in the playoffs, then you can do anything. Hudobin 9-0 and in games where he's faced 30 or more shots in the, Come on. with the 936 save percentage in his last nine games. Like, that's, uh, that's unreal for Hudobin, that stat line. And it's really – shows what he's been able to accomplish and why he's going to be one of the most desired names next season as he's a, he's a free agent and somebody's going to sign this guy to a big ticket or the stars are going to have to make a decision on whether they want to move forward with Ben Bishop or make the switch to this guy. Cause he's played lights out for this franchise over the stretch. And think about Ben Bishop right now. I think his last game was against the Avs when he got yeah, he lit snuck up. in. It was, it was in the elimination game. I think it was game five. He got he lit up, up and he gave up six five. goals. Yeah, he just – yeah, he got – and then all of a sudden he was like, oh, yeah, I can't, can't play. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like the intro, he comes back. He comes back in a non-pressure situation because I believe Dallas was up three to one at that point. So right. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, like we have them on the brink, whatever. He gets shelled. Oops. I was surprised that they started Bishop with the way that Hudobin has been playing through the playoffs, to be quite honest, in that game. I, like I thought that was a weird play by the Stars to – take the hot hand out of the net and put in the guy who's ice cold, who's, you know, been battling with injuries all playoffs and obviously he got the L and we haven't really seen him since. But when you have a goalie of Hudobin's caliber playing the way that he is, it's going to be really tough for Tampa Bay to get one past him. It's going to be really tough for Tampa Bay to have confidence in their offense. Like when you're playing against a guy like this, I mean, you shoot a team like that in the third period and you can't squeeze one by. And even the one goal that they did get by was like a weird, greasy goal. I forget who it hit on the side of the net and that hit the Stars defender and sort of went into the net. It was like a double deflection. That's just how Tampa's going to have to run their offense moving forward, just get bodies to the net, try to get in his line of sight and maybe get some weird deflections because he's been lights out when he's been able to see the puck. Dallas, too, a very well-coached team in, in Rick Bonus. He was also the assistant – 
on the Tampa Bay Lightning back in 2015. You look at the last five years, like Tampa's road to get here. They lose in the cup final to the Blackhawks in 2015. They get eliminated by the Pens the following year. They miss the playoffs in 2017. Stamkos had that knee injury in the regular season. 2018 eliminated in seven by the Caps. And then obviously last year they got swept by the Jackets. So you want to talk about a team that is like ready to hoist that cup, it's Tampa. But as I said, Dallas is is not going away easy. And a loaded decor, obviously, with Klingberg and Miro Heskinen. Your boy Jamie Oleksiak going shelf yesterday. To, I was about <laughs> to bring that up. I was like, your boy Jamie Oleksiak gets the game-winning goal. So chalk that one up for him. It's not something that you've seen a lot of. Uh, the big defenseman. He's uh, been more noted for his physicality and uh, his ability to throw the fists. But nice moment for him to get the game-winning goal and uh, put his team up one nothing in the series against the Lightning. Both? Uh, sorry, two out of the three goals yesterday. We're uh, picking up your own rebound. Oleksiak and Kibaranta. Yeah, by no, by no stretch was that loss on Vasilevsky. I thought that he played pretty well. He did. It's just, it's just one, of those, one of those where you'd love to have some of the back and the second chance opportunities are just how are you, where are you supposed to do as a goaltender with that? I mean, I guess if you can control the rebounds, but I don't put the, the loss on Vasilevsky at all. And I would expect a big bounce back performance from him in game two as well. Absolutely, man. E- even yesterday, I was I was coming home from work. I'm like, where do I want to watch this? And I ended up watching the game on my own. And I remember Brian Hayes talking about this too. It's like I want to be like in the comfort of my own home, on my couch, locked in for the full 60 minutes. And like wat- watching games on your own, man, it's fun. Obviously, you know it's great watching with other hockey fans. Like we watched a few games together, but yeah, I was gonna say what the we're hell, dialed. Man. I've had, I've had some good times watching the Maple Leafs with you. Now you just want to watch them by yourself at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, you can't come over for this game. I have to watch like, on my watching own. The games, watching the games is great, but really I'm just going to stay home and watch it by myself because your analysis, to be quite honest, isn't very good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's I'm sorry. Yeah, you're going to have to skip, skip on this one. I'd, I'd rather watch solo, but thank you. What do you make of this all-Canadian division chatter? For next season, it's very tentative, like a very tentative uh, idea that's been tossed out there. And there's obviously a lot of speculation about what next season could look like, given the travel restrictions between the United States and Canada and given all the questions surrounding the different markets in the States. And obviously the NHL is watching pretty closely what the MLB and the NFL are doing, traveling around, seeing if they can have some success doing that without putting their players in harm's way. But one idea that's been tossed out there, particularly because it doesn't look like there's going to be really free-flowing traffic between our southern neighbors and Canada, is creating an all-Canadian division with the seven teams and just letting them play the majority of the games amongst each other. I love this idea. I know as a Maple Leafs fan, one gripe that we have is that we don't get to see these matchups against the Western teams very often, only twice a year. Do you get to see Austin Matthews face off against Connor McDavid only twice a year? Do you get to see, you know, Brock Pedersen and Bo Horvat and Quinn Hughes and all these players from the West coast only once a year, do you get to see Monaghan, Goudreau? Do, do you want me to keep going? Is, no, I was going to say, is, is Brock Pedersen <laughs> a up and coming prospect? Is, is Brock Pedersen, is Brock Pedersen an up and coming prospect? Oh, 
Did I say Brock Pedersen? <laughs> it's fine. You know yeah. what? It actually sounds Brock like Boehm. it could be. Yeah, maybe Brock. Player. Maybe Brock. Maybe Brock Besser won't even be in that matchup. So I've like he's been flowing around with a lot of trade rumors as well. But yeah, my mistake. Obviously, Elias Pedersen was who I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. It would it would be great to see these Canadian teams get more matchups against each other. Oh, I think it would be fantastic, man. And like you said, like we need to see more of Matthews versus McDavid. McDavid on. A, on a yearly basis One, one's not enough i mean every every time edmonton comes to town or vice versa there's, there's obviously electrifying matchups and this is obviously the the right move i mean nhl and nba crafted the right template of setting up neutralized sites mlb you notice they finally start started to to make a plan of neutralized sites only for the postseason but they didn't do it for the regular season and there's been a lot of cases numerous of outbreaks numerous and now they're like, okay, for the division and championship series, we're going to move to, I think it's like Arlington and, and Houston. But it's like, Manfred, why didn't you not follow the same template as the other commissioners? I'm going to go to bat for Manfred just a tad here. Because I think the reason that they didn't do the bubble was because the MLBPA is the strongest union of any of the professional sports. And they pretty much said, we're, we're not doing it. We're not going to a bubble for two months. And you go ahead and figure it out, like how we're going to do it otherwise. But there's no chance that we're doing what the NBA has done. There's no chance that we're doing what the NHL has done. I also think it's a more difficult pill to swallow for the players when you're talking about doing it for a full regular season. Well, not full regular season. I can't remember how long it was, 60 games, right? When you're talking about doing it for that stretch of time versus a postseason run where basically the only two teams that are going to be there for six weeks or the teams there in the cup final and everybody else is going to be there for what two weeks for if, <laughs> two weeks. If you're the Rangers. Yeah. Like three I just, weeks, you know, you know, there's had to be, there's, there's a lot of cases where games just had to be postponed. I remember I was covering a giants and Padres game and they're like, Oh yeah, sorry. It's postponed due to poor air quality. I'm like, what? Come on. Like someone tested positive. Just tell us. And then like an hour later, it was like a giants player tested positive. So Poor you know, air quality. Yeah, it was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be like, you know, it's going to affect the outfielders. I, mean, I don't know. I'm like, come on, don't give us that. Poor air no, quality. That happened, that happened to me as well. I was covering a TFC game at 10.50. Yeah. And then there, I believe it was TFC Orlando. I forget who they were playing. But it was exactly Huge. this. Exactly the same thing happened. Yeah. Like the, you know, the kickoff time came. The kickoff time went. And all of a sudden the game is delayed and it's because they had a couple positive tests on the other side and they had a couple, um, I forget what they called. Uh, it's like non-identified or non, mm. like when they're, non- the results aren't clear. Disclosed or something. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it is that they call when it's like, it's not positive. It's not negative. Right. So. Mm. Interesting. man. <laughs> yeah. It's I. Uh, it's tenuous <laughs> times. Excuse me for a second. My dog is starting to choose, chew some stuff up here. I got a lot of the crate. Getting a little fired. I didn't know up he had a there. dog. Yeah, this is my dog Leela. This is terrible for the podcast, but Leela. <laughs> yeah, Leela. She's uh, she's just a puppy, seven months. She's been a great to her household. I'll post Keeps a picture on my Instagram so that the listeners at Leafs Pod, so that the listeners can uh, take a look at Leela and see where where the distraction is coming from. She's probably just looking for. Looking she's for our pod mascot. Pod. Yeah, pod mascot. Um, what do you make of the situation going on in Arizona? 
What dumpster fire that is, eh? In Arizona, I you have to enlighten me okay. on this. Yeah, so so basically, like, there's been articles coming out that they're going to shop basically all their good players, like 25 and over, mainly because they can like they're struggling financially, they're struggling financially to the point where they are able to pay their players what what's in the contracts. Like they're missing bonus checks, they're missing you know signing bonuses, like all, all these like little things that are these little off season transactions that are coming out of the bank account. They don't have the cash flow to support it. And basically, they're ready to trade off their whole roster to make sure that they can survive as a franchise. Jeez. Is what I understand. Like, nobody's off limits. Like, obviously, the goaltender has been well-documented as being a potential target. I saw that Ekman Larson might be on the block as well. I mean, although he's he's had a, a little bit of a downturn since he signed that big contract, but you feel like he's – like, a lot of teams would take a chance on him like it's a it's a it's a complete dumpster fire down there. Well, let me tell you, I was I was looking on salary cap page for the Leafs, like many do, and it, it we cra- still it crashed. We it still retain after the Petro news, eh? <laughs> oh yeah, cap, but, right, cap friendly. They were like, we had a huge surge, huge yeah. surge, and everyone we relaxed. The Maple Leafs cap friendly. We still retain a portion of Kessel's salary, one point two until twenty. 21 no no 21 22 yeah there's two more years left of the salary retention i was gonna say another team that's just been unloading is the minnesota wild man what a complete disaster that is they just got rid of their (laughs) they just got rid of their captain miko koivu they traded eric stall to the sabers i don't know if you saw one of the creators of hockey pod net isha jamori yeah tweeted out um well it was like a a quote of a retweet of the sabers twitter and it's eric stall Basically saying like just the generic ten to fifteen seconds like look forward to get going, but just though it's it's just like cringeworthy man like Buffalo Sabers Twitter was just like here's Eric Stahl like excited to get things going and he's just like hey Sabers fans like look forward yeah. to it. like I'm just like oh my god like Isha Isha and I were having a good laugh about that because when he tweeted it out I got immediately got under the feed and was like this is what happens when you pay a Buffalo Sabers player for a cameo. Yeah. It was the most unenthusiastic, uh, just, hey, happy to be here in Buffalo. Can't wait to hit the ice. I was like, oh, man. You want to talk about who's at the library bar? I was going to get into this a little bit later, but since we're on the topic, it's Eric Stahl. Oh. Eric Stahl's at the library bar. Like, this is a disaster for this guy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even understand why Buffalo wants this player. Like, they, like, I don't obviously know. Obviously, they need it, to fill out the roster somehow. It seems like a weird addition. Like my goodness, yeah, Buffalo. I th- like I could be wrong on this. I don't know the exact numbers, but I think that basically they only have like six players signed for next year. It's, like it's they have, they have they have they have Eichel. I think they have um they have Eichel Skinner here. I'll pull up the cap friendly so I have the numbers. Yeah, it's it's like they have basically nobody signed, which is good if you can take advantage and you know sign some players for a little bit less money based off the cap. But it's like, man, like who's going to want to come and play in Buffalo if there's no structure there? Like, you, you know, you don't have anybody to play on the third line, fourth line, second pairing, third pairing at the, right now if you're Buffalo. I, I just – I can't get that, like, Eric Stulvit out of my head, man. I just think it was ridiculous. Like, it looked like it was just completely – even though we, I'm sure he doesn't have much going on right now. I know he's, you know, a father and everything, but it just seemed to completely 
you know, interrupt his day. And it's like, okay, like give us, give, give the fans something. You know, this yeah, is, was, a, this is Eric Stahl. He's just a pioneer, pioneer in this league. He's got a cup, you know, he used to be a stud in mid two thousands, but like, I guess it's a good ad for Buffalo. Like they just seem to be all over the place. And, you know, Eichel's <laughs> locked up for what the next eight years, 10 mil. Like he's just sulking every day. Yeah, he has six more years on his contract. Skinner has the big contract. I think that goes surpasses the length of Eichel's. He's got seven years, I think, at least left on his deal at $9 million a ticket. Um, as for forwards, they're signed. They have Eichel, Skinner, Ocposo, and Stahl. That's it up front. And then in the back ends, they have Ristolainen, Miller, McCabe, Dahlien, and Yokiharu. So basically they have three defensemen to sign. They have to sign a backup goaltender as they only have Carter Hutton right now. And then they need to sign, I don't know how many forwards that is, 10 or 11 forwards. What a dumpster fire that is. I mean, I I guess, yeah, it gives them a lot of flexibility. According to Cap Friendly, they have, you know, $35 million in cap space. (laughs) Which is is absurd, but. It just makes me stressed. Like, yeah, geez, like they clean don't have it off right now. If, if the Buffalo Sabres, the Buffalo Sabres barely have enough players right now to play a game of shinny. No, and they, they'd barely be able to compete. Uh, what do you make of the Leafs signing Manny Malhotra? As an I think coach? that is an excellent addition. Paul McFarland going back to the Kingston Frontenacs to coach, open up a spot. Huge, man. Manny Malhotra, Manny Malhotra. Let me say Malhotra. that again. Malhotra. Manny Malhotra. Former Blue Jacket. Yeah. He spent he's, most he's, of his career with the Blue Jackets. He was a little bit of a journeyman in yeah. the league. He's yeah. actually a um, fun, fun little nugget here. He was the last active player to ever have been teammates with Wayne Gretzky when he retired. So that's kind of nice, nice little nugget to uh, nice, say at the dinner n- table. <laughs> nice, little, nice little nugget. You like that one? So yeah, I dug that one up. I was like, oh. Maybe I'll bring that up on the podcast. So it's like, it's like, you know, when you find that obscure stat that nobody really knows about, maybe a lot of people know about that. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But yeah, he's uh, like, this is, this guy was noted for his two way play as a player, um, particularly in the faceoff circle. That's what I remember him by was that he was one of the most dominant faceoff men in the league right. for the duration of his career. Um, so he'll definitely be able to ha- help the Maple Leafs in that regard. I'm sure he's got a little, uh, a couple tricks, oh, tricks yeah. up his sleeve. And he's coming over from Vancouver. Like the, the trio behind the Leafs bench now is really solid with Dave Haxtell, obviously Keith, and now Maholtra. Yeah, well, so it'll be interesting because he's taking over for McFarland, who had a right. lot of the special teams' responsibilities. It'll, I'm not sure how. Uh, I guess um, how do you want to say it? Qualified Maholtra is as a special teams coach. I'm not sure exactly what his role was with the Canucks. And obviously he wasn't really on the top power play unit during his career. So that's probably going to be an area where he's expected to make contributions. It'll be interesting to see what changes he makes coming in, but yeah, I I like the signing from Toronto. I think it further bolsters what's already a a good assistant coach core in Toronto. And I'm I'm not sure what this means for Brucey e. B. Maybe uh maybe he's uh, not available then or wasn't interested necessarily in the assistant coaching job at the moment because uh, the staff seems to be filling up in Toronto and 
although that's one area where they can flex their financial muscle a little bit, you feel like when you get too many cooks in the kitchen, especially experienced guys like Boudreaux, they're going to uh, cause a little bit of turmoil. That's very true. Yeah, we talked about it on the last pod, I believe. I think there'd be a bit of a power imbalance, Boudreaux and his ways of coaching and his style versus Keefe. So I think this will be a good balance between the three. Can you imagine if the Leafs went on a little bit of a slide and Bruce Boudreaux was in the Scotiabank Arena, like in any capacity? At the Platinum Club would, or something? People would be... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's just hanging out in the Platinum Club eating that $40 <laughs> cheeseburger and $20 Bud Lights. He, he's, he's, just, he's just hanging out in Scotiabank Arena doing his thing. The Leafs go on a little slide. They lose 7 of 10. All of a sudden, people are going to be marching down Young Street ready for Sheldon Keefe's head and ready to promote Brucey B to head coach behind the bench. So in that sense, I don't think it makes any objective sense at all to bring in a guy with that pedigree, because you're kind of just undermining your guy in Sheldon Keefe, a guy that Kyle Dubas obviously has a ton of faith in to be able to push this organization over the top. Yeah, I agree. Also, I don't know if even Brucey e. B would be that bougie and go to the Platinum Club. I, I see him more as like a, you know, five rows up, just slamming PJ a roast O'Brien's. beef sandwich. Those PJ roast O'Brien's. beef sandwiches, we, oh, PJ O'Brien's too. Yeah, he'd be a big proponent. He'd be at, he'd be at PJ's with, uh, with Berkey in the, in the back booth. Oh, just all night. I, I, I got to say, man, the roast beef Sammy at Scotiabank Arena is Unreal. like... Unreal. I love, like, yes, tap. That, that is something I was like, I will pay, like, what, it's, you get a pickle? It's, it's, it's like get 25 chips. bucks or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in. It, yeah, I'm all in on that, too. Like, I'll, I'll go out for dinner before the game, and then I get there. And you get a roast beef Sammy. Like, yeah, my girlfriend's like, are you getting, are you eating again? Yeah. Like, I, I have to. Yeah, it's my Sorry. it's my favorite. It's my guilty pleasure. Anytime I go to Scotiabank Arena, I need the roast beef sandwich. You know, I need to go down into the lower deck, into the almost like VIP sections to to curate it. But it's well worth it. It's and amazing. They cut it, carve it right in front of you. I'm just like, yes, I will have horseradish as well, please. It's a, it's an actual Load chef. It up. It's an actual oh. chef up there. It's not just like oh, the yeah. concessions people. No, they got yeah. the, the full uniform. They got the hat. I'm the only guy roaming around down there that's not wearing a suit. Yeah, legit. Yeah, it's a, I hear that. It's, yeah, it's a wild time. Uh, what you got cooking for the rest of the day here? You uh, buzzing over to the office, uh, the Bell Media Football Headquarters, to deal with some NFL action today, or what? Sundays are the busiest for us. We got NFL. Jays wrapping up their series against the Phils. We got Lakers and Nuggets tonight, game one. So that'll be fun. No, game Double, two. Uh, Pardon me. Are you doing any of the tennis action? No, but I will be covering the French Open, which begins next Sunday. Yeah. So I'm looking Very forward to exciting. That. You love, love, love the clay court. Obviously, Rafa Nadal has to be the favorite, but it would be interesting to see what we can see out of the Canadians. A great time for Canadian tennis right now. Absolutely. With Felix, Ajay Ali Asim. You look at Denis Shapovalov, Vasek Pospisil. I mean, they're as good as they've been. I feel like I'm leaving out Milo Sharonich here, but I don't know. He's he's obviously tremendous when he has the serve, but I don't know how his uh, movement's going to be on the clay court. That's uh, always a little bit more difficult for these players who can't really move around too much. So I'm not expecting a ton uh, out of Milo at Rolling Garros. I really like Basic too. He, he flies under the radar because everyone always talks about Chapo and Felix and Milo as the big three. 
in terms of you know who people want to watch but Vasek is a phenomenal player too and he obviously knocked out Milos in one of the opening rounds of the U.S. Open so he's he's a stud yeah on un- unreal time for Canadian tennis I gotta buzz down to Home Depot after this doing a little uh, woodworking this afternoon getting Mr. a little crafty. carpentry yeah like I'm the most notorious carpenter of all time <laughs> no, I, no I think there might have been a guy that uh had something to do with the holy bible that might be a little bit more famous than me but true <laughs> um yeah i got i got i got I, I got some shelves to build anyways for the new bar Can build some shelves for the bar yeah get, get a little handy get my uh, notoriety up get in with the owners you know they, they like that sort of stuff when you take the initiative so oh, i always yeah. gotta do that to get in good with uh the guys that sign the paycheck and yeah hopefully i'll uh i'll be getting a couple more closing shifts over the next couple weeks here because uh it's been a little bit bleak the restaurant industry in toronto over the last stretch yeah, I could see that. I was down there looking at apartments and it just seems, I wouldn't say it's a ghost town, like it's March and April, but it's, it's quiet. Yeah, you're, quiet. you're getting a new place. I uh, am. Right, da- right downtown. Very exciting. Uh, Spadina and Front Area, if I'm, if I'm correct. Yes, sir. 21 Ice Boat Terrace. A familiar spot, if you recall, first year at CSM. Is it, was it a familiar spot? I don't know. Well, I don't know if you ever went. To Shane who, who and there? Shane and Purdy used to live there. No, I never. You never, uh, you never <laughs> I never. I never. Went I thought you went place. like once. Like no, I, we like, weren't that I, tight, but like I, I thought you went once, but maybe not. No, I always avoided the uh, the apartment parties. Yeah. Just because they'd be like, "Oh yeah, come over for a drink," and I'd get there, and they'd be in the shoebox apartment. It'd be a one bedroom apartment, and there'd be like everyone just sitting people, around, twelve people in there, and they're like smoking cigarettes inside. <laughs> this isn't this isn't for me i gotta gotta get out of here yeah you're like uh like you walk in it's just the homer simpson you walk in and i'm out peace yeah also at the time it's like i was working a lot so i didn't really have as much time because it wasn't like i was just primarily in school i was like uh i think i'll just pay the extra couple bucks and uh go to a bar yeah i'm I'm gonna get out of here yeah not not for me i'm going to the library bar it was also quite the hype like from Richmond and Sherborne, it's quite the hike over there. Ice boat. Yeah, it's a little bit of a walk, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, too far for my, for me, anyways. All right, I think that, I think that's it. You good to go? I'm good, bro. All right, uh, thank you for listening to another episode, of not another Leafs Call podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Pod Nets. See that one? First try, nailed it. Bang. Uh, at Ten Stapon at. McCarthy 95 at LeafSpot on Twitter. Give us a follow and weigh in on the conversation. We'll catch you next time.